0: <laughs> All right, for this episode, we'll be talking about Brian Eno, Here Come the Warm Jets. In the room, I have Rob. Hello. Ben. Hello. Ann. Hi. And John. Hello. Here Come the Warm Jets is the debut solo album by Brian Eno, credited only as Eno. Uh, it was produced by Eno, and it was re- released on Island Records January 1974. The genre is glam rock, art pop, and avant pop. And I'm going to read from Review, Steve Huey. Eno's solo debut, Here Come the Warm Jets, is a spirited, experimental collection of unabashed pop songs on which Eno mostly reprises his Roxy music role as sound manipulator, taking the lead vocals but leaving much of the instrumental work to various studio cohorts, including ex-Roxy mates Phil Manzanarin and Andy McKay, plus Robert Fripp and others. Eno's compositions are quirky, whimsical, and catchy, his lyrics bizarre and often free-associative with a decidedly dark bent in their humor. Yet the album wouldn't sound nearly as manic as it does without Eno's wildly unpredictable sound processing. He coaxes otherworldly noises and textures from the treated guitars and keyboards, layering them in a complex arrangement and bouncing them off one another in a weird cacophony. Avant-garde yet very accessible. Here come the warm jets. Still sounds exciting, forward-looking, and densely detailed, revealing more intricacies with every play. All right, what do we think of? Here come the warm jets.
1: It's a banger.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
3: He's right.
0: Yeah. Yes. What more can That's you say? That's all you gotta That's say. It's done. Brian
3: Eno, you guys, it's time. I know. It's your time, man. It's my time. Brian
1: Eno has finally left Roxy music and... Dude, this could have been a fucking Roxy music record. It's true. It's so fucking weird. And it's before Brian Eno gets into full on like I'm a guy who just uh, sculpts sound. There's still like pop sensibilities at well, this point.
2: Everyone there is there but Fairy, right?
1: No, not everyone.
2: I uh, thought it was everyone in Roxy but Ferry.
1: No,
0: it's not. Uh, it has a. It's like a hybrid. I mean, it has a few people from Roxy, but not the full, not the full band.
1: You know, one of my favorite parts about this record is, aside from every part of it. <laughs> um, no, you, know, uh, you might be right though. There's a lot of people on this album.
3: <laughs> they, I think I think he's right.
0: They don't play on every song though. I guess is. Well, but uh, yeah. but he did it's bring them in. But what's
4: yeah, Roddy, yeah yeah What's yeah, Robbie's yeah. favorite? Oh, what's yeah. Rob's favorite? No yeah. title
1: track. Uh you don't notice it, but it's there. There's no symbols at all on Needle through the Camel's Eye, but the jangly guitar takes up the exact same like sonic space that the symbols would take up. <laughs> And does the same thing for it.
4: That's
2: without,
1: cool. It's so fucking cool. Yeah. It, it, oh, it's is so that, cool. It jingles like no one's
4: business. Is that Frip Guitar on that too, or is that... I have no know. idea
1: who who is doing what on that.
4: He's got so
2: many dudes. Uh, and, and he, and he danced
3: around uh, to make them make noise. <laughs> like
2: he, he specifically <laughs> he picked <danced>. people <laughs> that he thought were musically incompatible mm-hmm. with each other. And put them all in the same room, and yeah, like Anne like was saying, Can you...
3: what should be done? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> like, in, interpretive dance <laughs>
2: to, to direct the band and, and to what he was what he was envisioning. So it was before he came up with those cards. Before oh, the cards, uh, oblique yeah. strategies. Yeah, yeah so that's the that's cards that's are called.
3: a little bit later. I was going to mention the next, you know album.
0: Yeah, the symbols that might have been a oblique strategy because one of those cards says remove something that you feel yeah. is necessary. And symbols. Yep. Oh. Yeah.
4: Yeah, those are cool cards. I mean, as inventive as this is, all of these songs are songs. (laughs) I mean, like, they're all eminently listenable. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of times with uh, art rock or art pop, it sometimes gets into the realm of, like, I don't know where this is going. Like, this doesn't have a song structure. But all these songs are songs.
1: And And they're all great. (laughs) And again, nor did, for the most part, Roxy Music. Hmm. There was no hard chorus on any of that shit. It was all very much freeform, which is why this still kind of seems like an extension of that. Jumping back to the oblique strategies and... Do you guys remember when I think Alex won a chili cookoff using the oblique strategies yep. cards, oh, really. but lost because he couldn't do like the T- hammer like, hammer and the, hammer, hammer flip? Oh, yeah. He hammer lost net. to me, and I felt
2: so bad. Yeah. <laughs> but he made oblique strategies. <laughs> he <to chili> made <laughs> oblique strategies. <laughs> I didn't know cook- that he was
1: yeah. doing that. Yeah. He was <laughs> using the cards
2: for it. Uh, <laughs> oh, he, brilliant! He's yeah. he, so he, brilliant.
1: He won it, but he lost it in the
3: physical. <laughs> <challenge>. <laughs> and he didn't even get. He didn't even
1: get second place. He got no
4: place.
2: He got
3: no place. It yeah. was bullshit. It was complete wrong. That was absolutely. He was it. banished.
4: <laughs>
2: can, and can, then the next year he got a nail through his foot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's just a bad turn. Yeah. Can anyone uh. explain uh, the uh, oblique strategies cards? Oh, please.
0: Yeah. So they're concepts. They're rules for creating, being creative, essentially. And so something.
3: They're strategies for, yeah, for it. Yeah. It's, it's not rules. rules.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it, oblique just means, you know, like an obtuse, something you might not think of. Like my side. Uh, and so you you, dr- the, you would you know <laughs> shuffle the cards, you pick one up and it says something something but that would
2: And Bad really Company was like, related? We got that.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Save, Save it. Save <laughs> the <rage>. <laughs> <Spoiler>. <laughs> but these are but they're
3: they're for any art making, so it's like yeah. a or suggestion even... for how to approach something differently. It's a uh,
2: like a standardized deck?
3: Uh yeah, it is. I do you know how many cards there are?
2: Uh, no. I could look for a up. while,
3: there was one online, and you could just, cl- like, go to the link, and it would bring a different one up every time. So I would use it for stuff oh, that's nice. at that time. Yeah. But yeah. that website is gone. <laughs> There's yeah, Brian, probably another website, but I haven't tracked it down. Brian Eno's
4: con- invented a lot of different stuff. and Oh, like... yeah. Wait, did he
2: invent the Oblique Strategies
3: card? Yeah. yeah, these yeah. are his cards. Yeah, that's yeah, his cards. His
4: yeah. cards. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So cool. his, like... What, what comes from the mind of a man who interpretive dances to guide a band intentionally made out of people that don't necessarily in the mind's eye get along or
2: work together? That guy. <laughs> no, it's, so, it's, I, I, I yeah. thought that, like, I was reading his, his like, processes, and, like, his, I thought his processes were, like, they're not by the book, but they make sense yeah. to me. Like, well, like, he was talking about, like, to, to write, uh... When he was writing a song, like uh, the vocal line, he would just use fill in uh, nonsense syllables to get the cadence and the melody that he wanted. And then once he had that locked down, he would he would then go back and work out lyrics that fit that cadence and melody. I'm like, oh, that's a really interesting way to to approach it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Kurt Cobain was also a fan of doing that. That's cool. Using those uh, using words, throwing them in a hat, picking them out and then seeing what like felt natural with like melodies and things like that. Uh, So I kind of looked up the definition, I guess. It says each card offers a challenging constraint intended to help artists with creative blocks uh, and encourage lateral thinking. So some examples might be use an old idea. Uh, What would your closest friend do? (laughs) (laughs) Try faking it. Uh, Honor thy air as a hidden intention. Ask your body.
4: Eat some mushrooms. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there you go.
3: Ask your body to dance, conduct.
4: So speaking of techniques and things he's done, on the song that's the end of side one, Driving Me Backwards, Mm -hmm. is that him singing backwards and then played forwards? Is the whole thing backwards and then forwards? I didn't get that vibe from it, but I also didn't didn't really look into it. Oh, in the delivery, like, you know, um, at the end of, well, I, I don't know, it's not really a spoiler, but... There's a part spoilers uh, spoilers uh, spoiler. It's an album. Well, no, but like in Twin Peaks, there's a part where someone oh. speaks backwards and then it's played I don't
3: forwards. think I think he's just I think that's a very good you example know, like, of when he's using like vocal sounds as instrument much more than words. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I don't think there's any like manipulation it's like a, on that. It's not did, a full, it didn't sound like it to me. Okay. It sounded like somebody like semi-scatting. Essentially. Okay, so it's more inflection
4: like, as opposed to. Uh, tape direct It
3: just sounds weird cuz it's a strange ominous song that uh. he's singing slowly and he's not like thinking about the words Is
2: he is he working with like analog delay yet? Is he um, like he is he like starting to move tape this? Oh tape yeah, very much like oh, further absolutely. apart from each other? Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's no, so sure. fucking cool. I, <laughs> and I love it, it sounds
3: so cool on this because it's like so early, so it's kinda crunchy and weird a lot of the time, but like you can feel it coming and it's beautiful. <laughs>
4: now, can you explain that? It's kinda like what the physical distance between two tapes. So yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, a tape deck, you know, it's got the But real to real though. So,
1: yeah. yeah. So, th- think, think of, like, the big ass... No, please. I, I will not take your thunder. <laughs> please, please.
2: I think that you could explain it better. All right, head. so,
1: reel-to-reel, um, like, one of them spooling, the other one's, like, doing the uh, doing the jig. So, if you have two reel-to-reels, that means that you can take that tape and you can t- stretch it across all as far as you want until it gets spooled again and starts wrapping it. And with that, looping it back in is where you get these longer, stranger, like uh delayed noises. If you um, want a
2: shorter delay, you move them closer together. Yeah. <laughs> if you want a longer delay, you pull them further apart.
1: Yeah. Right. But yeah. you need you need two decks at this point right. to be yeah. able to accomplish that. God, I love the
2: physicality of early music. Yeah. Like, so how they actually man, do it, you, you, you get to get your hands dirty. You get to like <laughs> uh, get in there it gets and cool like, later
3: though. Uh. I don't want to get too far ahead on my you know facts. <laughs> yeah. But but it is very cool that it's physical. So like, I can be
1: manipulating it. tape. Yeah. It, it's I, cool. I can't wait to talk about the Yamaha DX7 with you later on the <laughs> <Friday
3: night.
2: laughs> Hey, did anyone else go down a Papa Negro blowtorch rabbit hole? I did a little bit. Yeah, I did. but go, go ahead. ahead.
3: Please rabbit hole. Us. So that is
2: a that is a reference to uh, a William Underwood, who was a resident of Papa, Michigan, and he was no he was legend has that he. Uh, Possessed pyrokinetic abilities. His thing that he could do. Uh, he could take anyone's handkerchief. Like you, you could give him your handkerchief. And he'd ball it up. And he'd hold it close to his mouth. And he'd start vigorously rubbing it together while he was breathing on it. And it would eventually spark into flame flame. And, and burn until it was fully burnt. And Whoa. plenty of people have seen him do that. And he was. I forget who went and like tested and measured it and he was confirmed to be able to do it in historical retrospect people have a theory of how he was able to do that they were thinking that he would hide a piece of phosphorus in his mouth and then when he'd come cr- crumble up the handkerchief and hold it near his mouth he would crunch it or, or just like pass it into the handkerchief it's from his mouth heat so like yeah. and then start rubbing it together and breathing on it and uh phosphorus has a combustion uh point of 86 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, which you yeah, do could it. theoretically easy, easy. Yeah. get it together, and then yeah. it would just burn. Yep. I thought that was is so interesting, alive? too. this is no, in the like, this, is an 18, this is or, in 1855. Yeah. No, he was born in 1855, so it was probably uh, like 1870s, 1880s. Yeah.
0: yeah, but a lot of people, I guess this, this song actually made people go... Back and like
2: look that stuff he's, he's up. He was lost to history. How yeah, the fuck until he's Eno.
1: <laughs> he Eno. <laughs> <laughs> he is Eno. <laughs> Conquer of World. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, this was a... Uh, this album was lost on me for a minute. Um, and I had a good friend who recommended that I listen to this and Roxy music, and she was very very into Brian Ferry and Eno and it when I first started listening to it, I was like, oh, I was just too young to like get it. <laughs> it was just like, What is this? What is going on? Why are all these songs like strange and where are all these bleeps and bloops coming from? But after I listened a couple of times, I started it started to grow on me. I started getting into the melodies and getting into, you know, that sort of avant angular sort of rock and roll. And once did, you get into it, I feel like there's no turning back uh, because it it's just uh it's out there.
1: I didn't hear this record until uh I guess I was playing Magic the Gathering over at Max Ballier's house <laughs> like about uh twenty ten. Uh, it was the first time that I, I heard this record. And I was like, What the fuck is this? Why have I not heard this? He's like, You don't know Brian Eno's first record? I'm like, holy shit, that dude that does all the weird DX seven shit He's like, Yup. And yeah, like he I, vast. I <laughs> had no no clue that like he had like glam stuff after um, Roxy. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah, we're gonna get a green new world, which is it's interesting to
3: another green world.
0: or sorry, another green world. I've never heard that record. Oh These my god
3: <laughs> i I like didn't read the thing right and I was li- I listened to that like six times this week because I was like <laughs> not paying attention. And then I was like, well, that was great. Now I'll just listen to this. Yeah, I'll also, now I'll yeah. listen to this six times, but yeah, you're in for a real treat, Rob. You're <laughs> in is never a treat. It's
1: it Oh, goes. the warm jets?
4: <laughs> it's,
3: That's not real. It's not <laughs> real. I don't
4: know. I mean, because the, the answer that he gives, I don't think
2: is sufficient. <laughs> I think that the, the guitar treatment on the title track sounds, I would describe that sound as a warm jet. I would describe that sound as a kazoo. But it's not; it's a treated which guitar, which I guess is a kind
4: of jet. I don't know. <laughs> it,
2: it, and you know, and it's yeah. ninety-eight point six degrees, which anyone would consider warm. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough, Eno. You win this time. <laughs> it's the same as the sweltering jungle. <laughs> yes, the warm jet is that guitar tone, and then listening to the title track again.
3: Well, and he's he consistently likes names instruments weird ideas that he has about how they're supposed to sound, right? Oh, like the electric larynx yeah. instead of Snake vocals? Snake Like, I think he does that. I don't remember if I read that Simplistic about this album piano. or another Green World, but definitely he's, like, has an idea of how he wants a thing to sound that's, like, related to the built environment. And then it's, like...
2: I like everything about his process. I can't believe I like this how mother. he approaches the just, music creation. Can you
3: imagine how fun it would be if he's like, hey, come over and let's do this weird ass <sighs> thing with Mike together? <laughs> he's <laughs> like, like,
2: hey, you're going to be playing instruments with some people you don't like. I want your guitar to sound like a blue tuxedo.
3: <laughs> well, well how did the song go? Let me dance it like for you. <laughs> I think this it was
2: this th- is what part I want you to play. And <laughs> <source> dancing. <singer. laughs>
3: but they didn't dislike each other. I think he just felt they had different musicals. Yeah, right?
2: yeah. Like, musically incompatible, not yeah. necessarily socially incompatible. Yeah, because
0: Robert Fripp doesn't play with uh, the Roxy music guitarist. They don't. They don't share a song which Mm-mm. makes sense you know you you're not gonna have these like battling guitars um because it might just distract from the the element of the, of <laughs> what he wanted
1: Babies on fire
3: better throwers.
2: One of the guys he's got in there, Paul Rudolph, uh, he's played guitar with, uh, like, weirdo anarchist band uh, Pink Fairies. Like, there's a song where, almost like a a dueling guitar lead, and it's like, it's this dude from the Pink Fairies, loosey-goosey anarcho-pop, and I forget if he was playing opposite uh, Fripp or... Or someone else, but it's like these two very distinct personalities of, of guitarists just kind of like doing like a call and response part of a song. And, yeah, you know, it's cool. It's cool stuff. I like that.
1: Man. Was Eno still at this point in time not calling himself a musician?
3: Uh, I don't know about <laughs>
1: that. I didn't read anything about that. Because during
3: the I mean, he's always team... considered himself an artist who works with music as yeah. like a medium, right? But
1: goddamn it, you just—it's <laughs> it's such a pretentious way to talk for but... a guy who makes such beautiful. I, music. <sighs> I mean, he has one name too. he's yeah, yeah, yeah. Eno. A, I have a John Cale record where yeah. it, it's ju- it just says like Eno, you know, keyboards.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know if pretentious is the right word though. Like, eh,
2: he's pretty pretentious. Uh, okay. I think I love him. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I love him too.
1: And because if he didn't have pretensions, he wouldn't be. He would not. It wouldn't be Eno. But right. but I think that's,
3: like that's an integral to him to the way he's approaching it. Like this is so weird because he is dancing to direct. Like that's part of his idea about it, right? Yeah, pretentious usually like, has uh, a negative connotation. I guess method actors are kind know. of pretentious. But too, I,
1: right? I don't believe that. David Day Lewis is. I, absolutely I think it's only. And I love Only them. when they yeah. suck at it should pretension yeah. be a uh, like. Right, a, 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 a he's not pretending pejorative. he's succeeding, right? Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> it's more like what would be a better word for that?
1: I don't think there is one. I I, I think you can use it in the pejorative or you can Oblique. use it in the actual. Yeah, use <laughs> yeah, use it as its actual like you know definition. Like
2: yeah, I think David is caught... probably pretty pretentious.
1: No, but its actual
3: definition is is negative. Like is it? Yeah.
1: I don't have a dictionary in front of me, I so either, I no. can't <laughs> argue it. Uh, I
3: think it is, but I'll have to. I don't. I can't think of a, a word that would grab it. I don't know.
0: Here come the warm jets, peaked at number 26 on the UK album charts and number 151 on the US Billboard charts.
1: I guess that's why I've never heard it on classic rock. <laughs> yeah, it, it received Radio. mostly
0: positive reviews. Uh, but yeah. Uh, it, it was in, it's an interesting album because it's one of those things where it's just weird enough, but not too far that you don't really put it on. Yeah, like rock yeah, radio mean, what stations. Would the, what but, would be the crossover
4: song? Babies on Fire. Uh, needles, needles in the and the I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like I've heard that in like soundtracks. W-X-O-X. So, it was it was guess funny. where it is. Yeah, Velvet. I was uh, That's right, yeah. yeah. What a great
1: soundtrack. Velvet are we oh going to cover God. that
2: soundtrack?
1: <laughs> What's the uh, second chorus song?
2: Uh, some of them are old.
1: Yeah, that that would also be one that would have... It's five minutes, though.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Needle in the Camel's Eye
1: is the only real... It's
0: three,
2: yeah, three and eleven. He describes Needle in the Camel's Eye as an instrumental with some vocals. He considers the vocals of that song fully superfluous. Like, the, the song is what's happening musically.
1: Yeah. I'm not going to argue with a guy who can make a sonic masterpiece like this at, what, age 23, 24, I think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's just a fucking, just a giant baby. That fucking album cover, though. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Eno mullet picture, <laughs> Eno mullet
2: in the mirror. His
3: wife at the time made it. She was like a, she's like a, a very famous potter in England.
2: One of her team. <laughs> like, <laughs> one, Not of a of one of the photographer. That. <laughs> one of her strategies
1: get, get, get the potter to take your picture.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think she arranged then the thing. Yeah. She's like it. art direction. Yeah, exactly. And and you're
2: absolutely right. Uh, the definition of pretentious is derogatory. Ah, mm-hmm. eh, shit. <laughs> well, fuck it. There's he is pretentious. Be... I don't care.
3: I don't know. There's got to be a word that's a little bit closer to the mark.
1: I'm a- sorry, I, I... auteur.
3: No, I, I think I think I think any, <laughs> I think that
1: anyone this good at music saying he's not a musician, he's an artist who dabbles in music, that's an absolutely pretentious that is a thing pretentious to say. Statement. It's a pretentious statement. He is a wonderful artist who makes music. <laughs> sound sculptor. A lot of he
0: whittles. Yeah, and a lot of times though he. He probably wants people to think of it in a different way, cause he's presenting them with it some different ideas in music. I would say he's, so he doesn't want to be like, I'm not just, I'm not just doing top forty stuff. You know, uh, you, you it, have to get well, your point across his, in what some way. What he's
2: doing, like his artistic approach to what he's creating, like the the product that he's making, is music. The, fine, like the the out, the output of his process is music, but his process isn't necessarily that of a musician. It is of more of like a like a performance artist that happens to be working in the medium of, of recorded sound.
1: I've seen performance artists working in the medium of recorded sound that don't make beautiful music. Well, I think it may oh, have right. been... And like, they are not as good.
3: But that's because he's <laughs> oh. Well, Tell know, that so
1: to Gigi Allen soon. <laughs> <laughs> well,
4: and, and, and early days, Eno, you know, I think like... College Eno was a college soundscape you no know. like you college, you heard the band College Eno <laughs> yeah. College Eno it was apparently like exactly like a soundscape artist who would
1: take yes, a bunch I of do.
4: pianos and put them in a hallway and I'm throw a tennis about. ball down it and have them bang off the, oh, the, yeah. the, the pianos Just and then later Eno shit. like did a lot of ambient music and then he fucking did the Windows 95 <laughs> sound so like oh that was him that's him he did the uh-huh. whatever the, I can't recreate like, recreate. There it is. Exactly. It's like a six
1: Yes, that's God. him.
4: Yep. So,
1: Expedia.com was the uh dude from himself. What's that? Oh yeah, I yeah. so
4: yes, Eno makes the Windows 95 sound They needed on a, a Mac. very
3: short amount <laughs> yeah. of sound. And so like he yeah. did that, but then he's also like this is fun and he did like 300 of that first, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. 306 second long <laughs> like, songs. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I don't think we need to go around the room, right? Is everybody
1: positive on the album? I can positively yeah. say I love this record and I would recommend it to Yeah, yeah. It's wonderful. It's really
4: good. It's, it's a does, delight. Yeah. Does anyone in this room own it on vinyl? I do not. Mm-hmm.
1: I would like to acquire it. I've it only seen rad. Max Bellier have a copy oh. of it.
3: Well, go to Max I bet Mouse.
4: he doesn't lock his
2: house. <laughs> no, I, I know
1: he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> I'll bring you over my new copy of Here Come the Warning Jets <laughs> next time over, over
2: here. <laughs> next Lupo dinner rush.
0: <laughs> uh, next time we'll be talking about bad company. Bad company. Till the die, die! Alright, thanks y'all.